Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and across the Living Faith Fellowship. Each week we come together to have conversation with, with one of these pastors or professors about all kinds of topics, topics that we believe would be an encouragement to you and to help you live out your faith in a, an intentional way, an mission-minded way. And this week, uh, I want to begin by saying at Living Faith Bible Institute, um, there are all kinds of students, all different ages, all different walks of life. And in fact, we have students all over the world. Uh, but this week, we want to talk specifically about the majority of our students who are young and single. Uh, so many of our students are very zealous. Uh, their faith is new. Uh, discipleship has taken root in their lives. And they're very, very excited about being used by the Lord. And yet, they always have that feeling like, like something's missing or, or perhaps they haven't found the one yet. And it kind of sets them back in their perspective or, or sets them back in their walk. And it's this kind of oppressive thing. And, and we want to talk about what it looks like to overcome that and what it means to be a minister and to pursue the Lord, not allowing your singleness to get in the way. Uh, in fact, not just singleness, but just any of the things that that a young adult or a person that's growing in their faith might, might struggle with. We want to address those topics today. And so that is why I've invited my dear friend, Eric Phillips, to the show. Eric is the praise and worship leader here at Midtown Baptist Temple. And he's a, he's also a teaching elder in our church. And he also has a, a large amount of responsibilities in terms of the teaching load here in LFBI. And so a lot of you might be familiar with him. So I want to say welcome. Hey, Eric. thanks for having me. Good to have you on the show, man. Good to be back. So the reason I invited you to do this interview specifically this interview mm -hmm. is because you are actually writing a book or more importantly, probably a material curriculum would probably be a, a more appropriate way to discuss it called mm -hmm. fully equipped. Correct. That deals with what it means to be a single man, um, growing in your faith, pursuing the Lord, growing in maturity, and not distracted by the many, many issues that can distract a young man. Can you Talk to us just a little bit about the book. Introduce us to the concepts that are in the material. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity to be here and, and to discuss it. And it's mostly written, right? So right now it's just we, we're working on the the you know a few final details, but the, the bulk of the content is done and and I'm excited to begin teaching through it. But the goal of the book or kind of where it started is really it's what I wish I would have had access to when I was 18. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so the, the content, it just covers everything that I've learned over the years. What I'm 38 now. So what that's been 20 years. Time goes by um, the, the things that the Lord have has taught me in terms of living out singleness and yeah. and following the calling that God has given me uh, and not being distracted. And, you know, how do you handle the sort of, I don't know, landmines that show up in, in terms of singleness and, and how to navigate those things in order to to bring God glory. And, and so I think the book has a lot of wisdom and insight that I could have benefited greatly from when I was 18. Uh, the goal is, you know, you can learn from experience, but the problem with learning from experience is you get the consequence first, right? Yeah, right. And then you get the the lesson. And so the, where wisdom is, is, man, can I heed this? Can I learn this up front and avoid the consequence? Right. That would be so much better. And so th that's my heart is I want to be able to teach this to young men. And and if, if Lord willing, if they, you know, apply 
the which God is willing, they have to want to. Uh, if they apply the principles, then then I think they will see experience greater success uh, while they're single. And I, I do want to say the goal of the study isn't to convince guys to stay single. The goal right. of the study is this is what maximizing singleness looks like while you are single. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and here's how we avoid mistakes and and how we can really be be who we need to be. Because the best shot at getting married is being who you need to be before the Lord, right? right? Yeah. And 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 doing that first up front um, is is always best. Yeah. So you, you mentioned you're 38. Mm-hmm. Um, we came up together. I'm 38. You know, We've been in ministry together for a minute now. It's been a minute. Yes, it's, it's a good. couple minutes. Yeah. Right. But you're still single. Yep. And um, I, I want to begin by maybe just asking: Has it has it been a struggle off and on to be content? And what does this maybe paint a picture of what the strong struggle that a single man has in ministry? What does that look like? I think the struggle, particularly, you know, in a ministry like Kaya, that's Co- the college and young adults ministry. Yeah. The college and young adults ministry. That's, I don't know. Is, can I say fertile? I mean, like there's a lot <laughs> <laughs> going on. So I think the, where the struggle comes in is when you compare yourself to other people mm. And you see other people progressing or in your mind progressing, right? You see other people um, dating and you see other people getting married and you see other people having children and you create this sort of false expectation of I should be here too, right? Or Mm -hmm. I should be at this point. And you begin to manage your life that way. And so for me, if there, you know, the struggles that I may have had um, that I've had in the past has been that. And, and really what I had to do is just get before the Lord and settle it in my heart before the Lord. Mm-hmm. And then I can trust the, the direction that God's taken me on. I don't, you know, I'm not, that's not my path, right? Somebody else's path and, and them getting married. That's great. Praise the Lord. But that, that that's not my path. And mm-hmm. I'm at peace with it. Mm-hmm. And so what is, how does that manifest itself though? So like, if you're imagining the, the typical young man that you run into, who's, who's, that's on their mind. They're comparing themselves to other people, other paths, if you will. How does that manifest itself? I mean, I, I know that what I've seen in those young men, and I know how I've, I've counseled, but I want to hear from you. You know, how does that work itself out in an unhealthy way? It works itself out in an unhealthy way because we find ourselves getting into relationships that we shouldn't be in, and we find ourselves doing it quickly. And I don't know anybody that says, oh, I waited too long, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know anybody that, well, I should have just moved into it quicker. Yeah. Like, I don't know any of those people. All the people that I know are the ones that would say, you know what, I should have slowed it down. Mm -hmm. I should have, I should have waited. So the way it manifests itself is we get into relationships too soon uh, and we try to fast track it because we have this fear of missing out. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, God is a perfect father. And his timing is perfect. And I don't think he's going to let his children miss out. I, mm-hmm. That's just, you know, I just, I've, yeah. just my perspective. And what does that even mean, missing out? Like, yeah. Those, like, are, those are concepts that exist in a world, in a worldly It's a secular, very yeah. worldly, secular mindset. Oh, you better hurry up. You know, right. you better, no, you, you just, you need to be before the Lord and you need mm-hmm. to trust God's timing and you need to become who God is calling you to be right. first and take time to do that. And God will work all those other details right. out. Another thing I see sometimes in young men is if they don't, and this is true for young women too. So this is this episode, even though it's we're two dudes talking. I mean, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about is going to apply to both men and women in ministry. So mm-hmm. I want to say that up front. But one of the things that I see a lot of times is if 
if they're not getting that relationship that they want, or they're not meeting the expectations, the false expectations that they have for themselves, even in just ministry life, is that they, they tend to isolate or the depression begins to set in and they disengage. They and, and Maybe they slowly do that. Maybe it's very sudden, but then they become ineffective for the gospel's sake because they're so caught up in their worldly circumstances. Yeah, and it, it can produce bitterness in the heart. Mm. And and unfortunately, in some cases, too, it becomes the, the how they make decisions in terms of ministry and even which local church. Right. Like, well, you know, I, I'm supposed to be getting married or I need to be finding a wife or a spouse and that's not happening here. Yeah, that's a good point. So let me go find another local church because that that needs to be the next thing. And, and it becomes the thing that they're pursuing and it's driving every major decision uh, and it's incredibly unhealthy. Man. Yeah. And, and, you know, we both encounter that a lot because that's the ministry that we work with as young people. And we see that a lot, but, but beyond that, let's maybe talk about some of the tough issues that single Christians in general face. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if they're bent towards following the Lord, and even if they're not in, a, in any hurry to get married, what are some of the typical struggles that a young single believer might have uh, while they're living out ministry, temptations, things like that? Typical struggles, I think time management. Mm. And the reason I say that is because I, you know, you as a single person, you're going to have a lot of time on your hand. And I think that's the gift. That's the thing that you have to leverage to be effective is, man, how am I redeeming my time? Yeah. And so having a vision and a, and a plan for how am I going to invest in people? What does this time look like? And so that it's not all about me, how am I sacrificing to serve? I think that is critical for, for singles. And that can be so, sort of where people can get off base. Yeah, that's, that's a huge point. There's so much to uncover there because one of the things that I run into in ministry, it's like, there's two, there's two issues. Like, uh, as it concerns time management, you see a, a growing leader who has to maybe shed some of their responsibilities in order to focus. Like you got maybe a young married couple and there's a, they're on, they're growing in their leadership ability and they used to do all these ministries. And now they've got to kind of hand some of those ministries off to others so they can focus their time and they manage their time. On the flip side of that, the other side is that when you know young people don't have enough to do, um, they're spending their time focusing on entertainment or maybe fleshly endeavors. Um, there's all kinds of unhealthy things that that produces in their life, both emotionally, physically, intellectually, and they they end up wasting yeah. uh, a great opportunity. Um, to serve the Lord. Yeah. I think, you know, the, the interesting and I, what I would encourage singles to do, and, and maybe it sounds, you know, cliche, uh, but to spend more time studying the word of God. Mm -hmm. And what I have found is that in every season of my life where I've taken extended time to study something out, God has always given me opportunity to be able to teach that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, why am I teaching on Jeremiah in LFBI? Well, I decided to study Jeremiah out long before I got that opportunity. Mm -hmm. Why do I teach on Joshua in LFBI? Well, I got I studied that out long before I got that opportunity. And so it's just interesting, even with in, in teaching how to study the Bible. You know, mm -hmm. so these are all things that nobody came to me and said, oh, I want you to study this out. And then if you study this out, you'll right. get the opportunity to teach. Sure. It's just things that you, you kind of if I can use the word entrepreneurial, I wanted to learn more about those things. So I studied those things out and then God opened the door where mm -hmm. there was a need for the, those subjects to be taught on. Right. And it goes even to like a, a 
your personal daily life. It's amazing how many times that when you're faithful to study God's word, you know, at 6 a.m., how by 3 p.m., you've already had an opportunity to share the things with someone else that God has shown you that day. Yeah. And I think that's a big deal because a lot of young people convince themselves that they're not they're not cut out for the academic aspects of the of biblical study or they struggle with the idea of sitting down for prolonged periods of time and studying and they find excuses, find really easy distractions from carving out that time. Um, in terms of the quiet time, in terms of the deeper study, what are some basic tips that you can give a young person to, to learn how to focus without the distractions? Well, you need to have a set time, of course, uh, every day and where you can be without distraction and, and have a plan together in terms of how you want to approach it. You know, the I think one of the areas and this, we, you know, we'll cover this in, in, in the fully equipped content that that God has has grown me in is, is in the area of prayer and the, the importance of prayer in order to live a victorious Christian mm -hmm. life how we have to be humble before the Lord. And so devotionally, you just got to have a set time. I'm reminded of the blessed man in Psalm chapter one. And this is something that I, mm -hmm. I talk about. Um, this man meditates in the word of God day and night. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we kind of think that, well, I got my more, even if you get your morning devotion time together, there's actually God's calling you to more, right? Yeah. Um, and can you set aside additional time so that you you end your day the way you started your day mm. um, and and you begin to build in that 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 discipline, which is incredibly sanctifying um, and and it, it deepens your walk with the Lord. Yeah, that's that's really good. Let's get back to this idea of of temptation, specifically the lies that Satan tries to sell to young people mm -hmm. um, and, and young single people in particular. What are some of the lies that they have to grapple with and, and what's a way of getting biblical perspective on the things, the temptations that they, that they are confronted with? So I think the, one of the first ones is viewing singleness as a curse and not a gift. Mm -hmm. And my position on it is you have the gift of singleness until you're married. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's <laughs> God has given you God's grace is sufficient in whatever state you're in. And so your singleness is not a, a curse. It's it's a blessing. And 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 recognize viewing it that way, you begin to ask different questions. Right. Mm -hmm. So if I if I'm viewing it as a curse, then I'm like, how do I get away from this? Right. Uh, if I'm viewing it as a gift, then I, I'm figuring out how do I maximize this? Right. What is God calling me to, to? You know, how do I how do I make sure that uh, God? God gets maximum glory from this. So that's that's one of the lies that I think that 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 I, I see. And I remember talking to a couple of guys who are now married mm -hmm. uh, and and serving the Lord. But I remember we were just talking through this this idea of singleness. And the thing that I told him is, you know what, you have pretty much the rest of your life to be married. This is the unique time right now. Mm -hmm. Right. Like this is you, theoretically, if you live a normal life of whatever, 65, 70 75 years and you, you get married in your, your 20s, you're going to spend the majority of your life married. Right. So this is the time actually to open your eyes and say, OK, God, it's you and me right now. What what do you want from this? Mm -hmm. Right. How do we how do we do this and 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 bring you maximum glory? So I, I think that that attitude um, singles would be would benefit from um, not viewing it as a curse, but viewing it as a gift. Yeah. And, and to that point, you know, 
one of the things that I've recognized just from watching young people is that if they waste their singleness, if they don't leverage it, if they don't use that free time to study God's word, if they don't use that free time to serve the body and, and, and focus on ministry, that that actually follows them. It affects, it affects who they're going to be. So like not utilizing whatever season you're in to be disciplined in, in following the Lord will actually impact whatever that next season is, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what happens if, you know, of course, they, if they get married, I see marriage as amplifying problems. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. It doesn't it's not going they don't go away because you got married. Uh, it, it amplifies what's there. And so you want to be able to you know, you're not going to go into your marriage sinless but you want to be able to trust the Lord to to get to a, a, a higher level of maturity. Mm -hmm. And so maximizing singleness enables you to do that. And so if 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 singleness is wasted and, and you get married, then there's just additional struggle that that you bring into the marriage, uh, which just makes it more difficult. And it's harder to progress. Now, can those things be overcome? Yeah. But why why set yourself up to struggle even more? Right. right. Yeah. Which brings me to the thought of dating as well, which is mm -hmm. obviously that's a topic that you address, you address singleness, dating and marriage in your curriculum. Yes. Um, but this idea of dating, you know, so many times, you know, we encounter this in the college and young adult ministry, someone will come to faith or some will come into discipleship and they're bringing with them a perspective on dating that looks very secular. It's what they learned in high school. It's what they observed with their friends. It's maybe how they experienced dating when they weren't following the Lord. And they bring those kinds of expectations, roles, views into a Christian dating relationship. Uh, and it's there's problems. Mm -hmm. There's problems. So maybe you can talk to us a little bit about um, an appropriate perspective on dating uh, in, in Christianity, in faith, um, from the perspective of mission-minded single person. So yeah, the it's kind of what you're saying, mission-minded, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're you're dating in terms of the right perspective to find to trust the Lord to uh, this is someone that you think you can marry mm -hmm. and you're at a place to where you want to prove that out and move forward in in the mission. So with that, there are several motives that are wrong. Mm -hmm. in terms of why you would get into a dating relationship. The, the, I think one of the more common ones is just being afraid to be alone. Mm -hmm. Like if you are afraid to be alone, you need to be alone, right? Like you need to settle that before the Lord. Yeah, that's good. Because if you don't settle it before the Lord, you're going to have expectations of this other person that they will never be able to fulfill. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't want to be with you, right, why would anybody else want to be <laughs> with you? Uh, and so you've got to be it's got to you've got to get to the place to where it's you and the Lord and, and you're content with that. You're actually a better person. You're more fun to be around when you are content with your walk with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so I would encourage people, you know, if there's a fear of being alone, you've got to deal with that before the Lord. And the only way you deal with that is by being alone. Mm -hmm. And and coming to a place of contentment. So that's one one area where I think people need to take a step back. Yeah. But then there's a few more I actually kind of have a, a list. Um, the other thing that I think that, you know, we kind of talked earlier about people rushing into relationships. And what I've observed is that a lot of what people think they need to learn in a dating relationship about a person can be learned without moving forward in a dating relationship. Okay. It give me, can give, give us some examples of that. It can be proved out in ministry, right? Like if we're if we are at, at in a local church setting and we're we're in ministry together, I can learn, I can get to know you. I don't have to 
I don't have to make you my girlfriend uh, in a dating relationship yeah. in order to learn these things. And so we we get into relationships prematurely mm-hmm. and things that we should have learned about the person before we got into the relationship. We we And so then there's this, you know, we're, we're breaking up um, over things that man, we just probably moved into this a little bit too quick. Yeah, man, I, I love that you're saying that because I even just had this conversation. I mean, I have this conversation almost weekly. Yeah. Right. And what the advice I often give is, um, the, see, the problem with the worldly perspective says that we have to put a label of dating on this relationship with some level of immediacy. Yes. And to lock this thing down. Yeah. But the problem is that that has a danger of interfering with the brother-sister relationship within the faith. And so all the things you need to observe that woman or you need to observe that man for a period of time in different seasons of their life, how they minister, how they conduct themselves, what kind of character do they have? What, what's the report among other people? And you can learn so much from just doing that for a season of life before you begin to get to know them with greater intentionality. So instead of it being these like these monumental stair steps in a relationship where it's like single dating, engaged marriage, having a on ramp, a very slow on ramp of observation into greater intentional observation and and moving towards a more serious relationship, I think is so healthy to prevent us from harming one another, which is what happens so often, like what you're describing, that breakup becomes harmful because you have overstepped. Yeah, you yeah. were moving too quick, Yeah, you know, and you didn't have to be in that relationship to to prove that thing out. There is another thing though, um, and, and I've seen this too, where you'll be in a relationship with someone you like, but you know you're not ready to be married. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, oh, I don't I don't I don't want to get married. I want to you know, I know that like, I you know, I, I I need at least four years before I'm like, why are you dating? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why that, are you dating? Yeah, it, that, that's dangerous. May you tell us why it's that's a dangerous. I think thing. it's particularly dangerous for young guys to do that because it, it for ladies and, and guys. But because it's been my experience that the, the lady has an expectation of this is progressing somewhere. And 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 wh- where are we going in this relationship? And I would imagine that if you already know, you know, you, you've got four or five years before you're ready to at some point in, before that four or five years, she's going to want to know what's happening here. Where are we going? And then you already know you don't want to be married. You're just it, it just sets you up for confusion. Yeah. Um, and and, and it, just tons of temptation along the way. Well, absolutely. And and it's just immature. Right. It's just yeah. an Im- immature perspective because. Um, where's the vision here? And mm-hmm. so we should wait, right? Yeah. We should just wait and and be content with our singleness before the Lord until we're actually in a better season um, to say, yeah, this is somebody I want to pursue and I want to marry. And 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 I'm at a place to where I'm, I'm ready to actually start walking that direction. Yeah. And obviously there's fears that are attached to that. So like if someone was to say, okay, that's where my relationship's at. I need to back out of the relationship so I can focus on my own development and my own growth. And but then well, what if she's not or what if he's not available anymore when I'm ready? And so that creates a whole new set of fears. Uh, wh- what would you say to that? I would say you want to wait on God's timing. Yeah. And God's timing is perfect. If that's the person for you, that person will be there. If not, it's OK, because God, you want God's best. Yeah. You want God's best. And again, I just go back to I've not met the person that said I waited too long. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I meet all the people that say I rushed into this and this is why my first marriage was a mistake. I had the red flags and I, I didn't heed them, you know? Yeah. And so there's just this, it's just an irrational fear that you're, you're going to miss out. And I believe, you know, I have a perfect father. Yeah. I'm not going to miss out. I'm, I'm going to focus on being who God's right. called me to be. Right. Are there other motives that, that people enter into dating relationships with? Oh, yes. Um, and I just, yeah, I just read it on my list here. You're doing it because you, because everybody else thinks it's a good idea. And mm-hmm. I've seen that um, where it's like, man, this is great on paper and everybody can see it. The only problem is, is you two don't really like each other. Yeah. But you're doing it because there's this sort of social expectation mm-hmm that we should be together because other people are thinking that we would be a great and and you kind of follow that reasoning and you're together and and it's not it's not it's you shouldn't be together right yeah. and so i i think that's i've seen it happen i'm not going to say it's incredibly common but it it you know peer pressure should not be the reason you're moving into a relationship no, no. to satisfy other people's expectations of who you need to date or Yeah. And it comes back to this. I get this question a lot about compatibility. So, you know, a young person is in a relationship, even the relationship might even feel good. There might be, um, there might be an aspect of the relationship that's like, okay, this is actually, this could be good. Um, but what does it look like to be compatible with another person? Like maybe there's the personalities just don't match up. Like, is there something wrong about ending a relationship just because your person, I mean, we both love the Lord and we both we're, we like the same things and we want to do the same things, but, but we just don't enjoy each other's company. Uh, that's, that's a problem. Yeah. Run the other <laughs> way. Yeah. I, but people do, but people do that. They'll prolong a relationship because they, because they think it's working from, from all these other angles, but then the, the they're, they're just not enjoying each other. You've got to live with that person forever if you marry them. Absolutely. And and we of course we know beauty fades, right? Uh-huh. And so the yeah, the the friendship that's got to be at the core mm-hmm. of why you're with that person and 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 if that's not there, if that person isn't your best friend, um, that connection there is just from a personality standpoint, then I think you're signing up for a very long a lifelong headache. Yeah. So don't do that. Right. Yeah. yeah that's good. Are, are there any others that you wanted to share the motive wise? No, I think we've covered all the ones that I had um, on my list. Okay. So then what about, so obviously this is a big one and this may be the one that most of our single listeners are listening for is this issue of purity. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We want to hit pause right here and give you a glimpse of what it looks like to be a part of the Living Faith Bible Institute. Hi, my name is Miles Cheadle, and LFBI is an incredible asset for anybody that wants to to learn and to grow in their knowledge of the Word of God, and not just that, but to apply it uh, in ministry and to grow as a minister. Uh, you have incredible uh, preachers and pastors and missionaries uh, that aren't just teaching the Word of God, but they, they live it out in their everyday lives. And so it makes the insights that they share incredibly practical uh, for day-to-day ministry. Uh, again, this is a place to, to continually be challenged in the Word. Uh, we don't want to be people that go stagnant in our walks. Uh, we need to be put in remembrance. And so even if you say, man, I learned these things years ago, well, we need to be put in remembrance and to continue to trust God to grow and to stretch us and to equip us to invest in others. And so if you haven't already, this is something that you want to be a part of. Uh, and so I just I encourage you to consider that. Uh, thank you. Bye.
To enroll for classes, visit lfbi.org. To support LFBI, please visit lfbi.org slash support. Uh, God built us with desires, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he built that into us in terms of our physiology, our biology. And um, we've got to deal with them. We've got mm-hmm. to grapple with them. Thoughts enter our mind. Temptations come. And there's sexual in nature. There's de- desires that we have. And we've got to be able to handle and deal with those things, um, uh, you know, even in, honestly, even into marriage, the mm-hmm. issue of purity. Like, I think there's a preconception with a lot of single people that their struggle with pornography or lust or, or may, may we say it, masturbation or whatever mm-hmm. it might be, that those things uh, will end somehow magically the moment that they get married. And the truth is that the, these issues follow you. So how do we deal with the issue of purity in general, but also specifically sexual purity? Yeah, so, and just to tag on to that, this is what I'm talking about when I say that marriage amplifies, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, you know, for young guys that, that struggle with pornography, okay, so you think that getting married, one woman is going to satisfy you one woman isn't satisfying you now, right? Like yeah. you, if you're looking at pornography, that proves the point. Yeah. Uh, and so you've got to, you've got to, you've got to get victory over that mm-hmm. as a single man or single woman because yeah, there's a, single. Yeah. It's the same struggle for for women as well. Yes. I think a lot of times there's a there's this idea or this notion that this is a, a male's issue. Like this is a struggle that men have. We know from experience and working working with college and young adults, but it's both both struggle. Yeah. So there are things that. In terms of victory in this area, there are things that you can do directly and there are things that are in sort of indirect. And I, I want to start with the indirect because I think sometimes it's overlooked. Mm-hmm. And so much of, I think, purity is built into living the the biblical Christian life. Mm-hmm. And I was just talking with actually another guy about this. But so just I'm going to speak for, for men, right, because I'm, I'm a man. But God built us to work hard. He built us to work hard. So I get up early. I I pray. I go for a run. I spend more time in the word. And then I got to be at work. You know, I'm usually up. We have an app with some guys and, you know, it's called the 430 um, club. And, you know, up by 430, 445, praying, going for a run, spending time in the word at work by 8 a.m., working full eight hour shift got ministry responsibilities when I get up. So my point is when I come home at night, when I finally do get home at eight 30 or nine o'clock, guess what? I'm exhausted. Yeah. That solves a lot of problems right there. Just the, the, the idea of being engaged in ministry and being where mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be yeah. um, investing in other people, not focused on me. I don't have time to, to spend a lot of time being depressed or being, you know, like just in my emotions and mm-hmm. allowing my emotions to consume me because right. I'm engaged in what in the work that God has. And so when God's people just engage in the work that solves a lot of it. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't solve everything, but I think it, it goes a long way. And, and when you see guys that are engaged in ministry, um, there may be some wrestling there, but if they keep fighting, right. Um, then, then, then they'll see victory. So that's yeah, the first that's thing. Good. The second, oh, you were going to say something. No, that's good. I yeah. think that's helpful. Yeah. So the, um, the second thing in terms of, you know, purity has to be accountability. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's interesting 
guys always, and I'm sorry, I know this is uh, maybe the ladies approach this this way too, but I know with guys, we always approach purity from a standpoint of David and Goliath. Okay. Yeah. Explain that. <laughs> well, because it's a, it's a glory story, right? You got this, this guy that that's able to like slay this, 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 this giant and um, the giant was much larger than him and he did it on his own, right? With the help of the Lord, but David right. got the glory yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, like yeah, Saul was, often gets a lot of praise. Yeah. Yeah. Saul was, you know, upset about that. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, cause you know, Saul, his thousands and David, his, his 10,000s. Right. Mm-hmm. So David clearly was the guy known for slaying these giants. Yeah. And, oftentimes guys approach purity that way, right? Like this, I'm going to get victory. And that's not how God designed it, mm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And if you actually keep reading, there is a passage in in um, towards the end of David's life where David goes out um, against some additional giants and these giants almost slay David mm. and his mighty men have to come in and help him, right, to slay this. Okay, that is actually a picture of what purity looks like. And mm. in, in, oh, yeah, that's good. In the in, in the life of a man of God. Okay, so you've got to have, you've got to have. I always say this: you've got to have two or three people in your life that can look you in the eye and ask you anything, anything, mm-hmm. and you be completely honest with them, right? Yeah, and free of judgment. And and but accountability and then prayer. Right. We, we pray together and 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 trust the Lord for how do we move forward in this. But every man needs that. I don't care what stage of life you're in, mm-hmm. whether you're married, whether you are a pastor or a senior pastor and where men fall into trouble consistently uh, is when those things are not present. Yeah. And they don't have someone that they have to, to to give an account to, because then what happens is the sin is able to run rampant and left to its own devices to run rampant. It always escalates. Mm. That's just the way sin works. It, mm-hmm. it amplifies and it escalates and it and it goes to the next level. And yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, you know, a thought and, you know, it's pornography, but then that's not good enough. And then this relationship starts and you, you didn't start it with that intention, but this relationship starts and you begin to there are these looks and you begin to cultivate it. Right. Um, and then the next thing, you know, we have a moral failure, yeah, you know, right. and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. We're, we're dealing Thought with all of that. Yeah. yeah. And the, the fallout's incredible. Yeah. We, we don't have to dwell on that. But but the question is, how do you determine who, who, is the, who are the people that are supposed to keep me ex- uh, accountable? What are the rules of accountability? Like, what are some things that we need to consider when we're entering in? Because we use the word accountability mm-hmm. all the time as Christians. And I don't think we allow accountability to be what you're describing, uh, you know, it's not as transparent usually as what we imagine it, it, you know, it is. And so what are the rules for engaging in accountability relationships? So I think there's, um, that's a great question. And I think it needs to, it, it comprises several things. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is of course the, the, the transparency piece, but also that it's not just this focus on the flesh, right? Oh, let's just get together and talk how we failed all mm-hmm. the time. Right. Yeah, yeah. So there has to be, 
there has to be a focus on how, uh, yes, there needs to be transparency and that needs to happen. But then beyond that, it's how are we moving forward in faith? Yeah. Um, How are we being built up in the word of God? How are we being exercised in the word and being sharpened in the word? So if somebody's looking for accountability, you know, my first question would be, well, who who are your peers and and or the Pauls in your life that um, you can grow in the word with where you can be, you know, you can you can be held accountable to the book. Right. And to living out the 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 word of God. And, and so that that's how you need to sort of discern mm-hmm. um, through prayer and 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 just who God has placed in your life. You know, who should be the one that the people that that are your accountability partners. But then to your point um, and you a guy has to want it. Yeah. And this is the thing that, you know, I had to sort of accept with 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 guys in in the past that I've sort of helped in this area of like, I can't want it more than you. Right. And if a guy doesn't want it, there's nothing that I can do to stop it. Right. Like there's nothing I can because it's so accessible. It's so it's accessible. It's everywhere. You know, we talk about pornography and it's like, well, you can. We can we can put software on your devices. We can do that. But the reality is most people can go to Walmart and for, you know, 50 bucks, you can buy a device. Right. Like mm-hmm. there there are ways there's always a way to circumvent it. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't want it. Right. And so, you know, this whole idea and I'm reminded of Daniel chapter one, where it talks about Daniel purposed in his heart, mm-hmm. um, like a man of a man has to want to be free. You've got to want it. Um, and then beyond that, then it begin, then you begin to think about what, what am I doing to be proactive about cultivating intimacy with the Lord in my life? And Mm -hmm. this is where the prayer comes in. Yeah. This is also where regular fasting comes in, Mm -hmm. uh, which is something that's lost today, right? You know, you fast, you know, once every couple of years, but that's not really something that is present, but, um, that's something that God's people, I would, I would strongly encourage uh, a single man to think about a regular cadence of fasting Mm. because it's, it's a way to be proactive about our pursuit of the Lord. Yeah. Um, it's a physical and spiritual discipline absolutely. before the Lord. Absolutely. And, and we're young men struggle with spiritual and physical disciplines. And it's incredibly sanctifying. Yeah. You know, so so that's what the accountability piece is. It's it's the guy has to want it. And in that there there needs to be the the, the transparency to talk about what's what's going on, but don't just make it. And I've seen that happen in times past with, with some guys where it's just a, you know, let's meet up every week and talk about how we failed. Yeah. It's the illusion of accountability. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And and I think that there's so many of these relationships that we call accountability. I think we use the word fellowship flippantly too, where we are convinced or we have an illusion that this is having effect in my life. But ultimately, ultimately you're only accountable at the level that you want to be accountable. Yeah. yeah. And so you can always hide stuff. You can always hide stuff. Uh, so it has to be, like you said, purpose in your heart before the Lord, that these men, I mean, if you look at scripture, especially the life of the Kings and, and um, you know, the pursuits of David and, and, and in that time frame of the patriarchy in, in Jerusalem, you see that there's the illusion of accountability everywhere. And yet men are still failing and messing up and it's gotta be intentional. It's gotta be intentional. Yeah. So that's good, man. That's important. So, what about planning life? I mean, I think, let's, so if we turn our attention away from just the purity issue mm-hmm. and we focus on 
how a man should be envisioned or a woman who's single should be envisioned. Again, we're talking to an audience of growing leaders. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of them are in LFBI. They're saying to themselves, I'll, I'll go wherever God wants me to go. I'll do whatever God wants me to do. I'm just growing. I'm just taking a step at a time. And, and I don't know. I don't know what it looks like. And there's this kind of ambiguity about where they're headed, mm -hmm. which is appropriate. Yeah, that's normal. How is it that they start getting vision for their life? How is it that they can be purposed in this season, even right now? How can they be determined about who they're becoming in the Lord? I think there's a number of things. And I think, again, the benefit of being single is that the time that you have. And so there are a few things that I would encourage a single person to do. I, the first thing that comes to mind is short term missions. Mm. And it's like, OK, so you theoretically, you don't have a lot of debt. Right. So you, you shouldn't have a mortgage. You probably don't have a mortgage. Um, you probably don't have a car payment. Uh, and so how can you trust the Lord to be able to take a trip for two months, three months, six months? That's always life changing. Yeah. For any single person that would set aside that time and 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 go and be in another country um, and and potentially learn another language. Um, that's always life changing. I, all I hear from people that do that is how much God taught them yeah. uh, and how much they learned. And so I'd encourage single people to think about that while you because it's hard to do when you obviously when you get married, you have kids and, and you have a mortgage. How do you take six months off? Right. Yeah. Um, and it's it's, you know, the, the, the disruption to your, quote, career, if there is one is minimal. Mm -hmm. You can get another job. Right. So I would encourage people to to think about that. But then also um, doubling down on the ministries that God has placed you in. Right. So within your Bible study uh, and and getting with your Bible study leader and, and putting together a plan for how you can support and how you can you can be strengthened. I think you need the critical feedback. So you need the Pauls in your life or the Paulettes. Yeah. Um, to be able to say, you know, you've got to work on this or I need you to grow in this area. Mm -hmm. um, and you, you've got to hear that, be able to receive it. And and that's how growth happens when you can be under somebody that will will love you, but also be transparent with you about how you can uh, grow. Right. They, they, they're the ones who engage you daily or yeah, weekly and absolutely. they see the ways that you are weak mm -hmm. and they can assess that um, better than say, you know, this person over here, that person over there, the people that see you daily and weekly in ministry, they're going to have a, a better perspective on who you really are and where mm -hmm. you need to grow. Yeah. yeah. And one of the questions that I think young people should ask as they make decisions is, you know, what is most profitable for the ministry? Mm -hmm. What's most profitable for the ministry in terms of career? What's most profitable for the, the ministry in terms of where I buy my house, if I'm going to buy a house or how is this going to, you know, work out to, um, profit in terms of making disciples, uh, seeing souls saved and to 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 really think like that. Um, and and I'll, I'll just say this because um, I think this is how in terms of choosing a career, this is how young people can be derailed. Um, and I tell this story. I remember when I lost my job. Um, and, and being laid off, you know, my, my lost friends, you know, gave me a hard time, um, because I was only applying for jobs in Kansas city. Mm -hmm. Well, I knew I was called to be at, at Midtown. Mm -hmm. That was just like, God's going to have to provide in Midtown because right. I'm not going anywhere else. Right. Um, and if that means I go broke in KC, then that's what, cause I just knew I was called to be at Midtown. And so recognizing that I'm called to this church, 
Um, you know, when I'm, when I, when I get, if I have been laid off twice now, um, and it's, it just never would dawn on me to apply in other cities mm -hmm. and, oh, well, I got the job there, so I'm going to move there. And then once I get there, yeah. I'm going to find a church. Right. Um, that's a bill of goods. Yeah. You know, and, and good churches are, uh, you know, and this isn't me saying that, that our church is the best or anything like that, but good churches are hard to find. I feel like, yeah. Um, and when you find a good church, you, you cling to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's the other thing that I would encourage people to think about in, in terms of their mindset for, for ministry is, um, plugging into the field, buying into that field and trusting the Lord to provide a job that enables you to, to minister. A lot of times that's schedule. Um, right. So something that, you know, praise the Lord, I have a good job, but, and I get off at five. Right. And, and there, you know, sometimes I have to do some work on my laptop, but I'm able to, to engage in ministry. I have mm -hmm. my weekends free. I don't have anybody calling, you know, and so yeah. thinking like that. And I've seen guys, Praise the Lord, make some really great decisions. Say, you know what, I'm leaving this job because I can't, I can't accomplish anything in ministry with a shift working 11 to 8 yeah. p.m. Right? Yeah. How can I be involved in my Bible study right. if I'm showing up late and and so I'm trust the Lord to get a different job mm -hmm. so that I can engage in ministry. So just thinking through, yeah, and similar to that. I mean, I, one of the things I, I encounter a lot is high school students coming into college who have to make a decision about where they're going to go for college. And so they, they make a, a decision that's best for, for their future career. Uh, they may even tell themselves, well, I'll be back. I'll be back. And, uh, and you know, four years uh, in a place where the churches are all nominal and you're not getting developed, you're not getting discipled. Um, oh, I'll just hit pause on my spiritual development. Oh, you want to, okay, you want to do that? I mean, that's on you. That's between you and the Lord. Well, no one's going to tell you what to do, but you really do have to consider whether or not that's a wise decision. Yeah. So regarding vocation, the other thing that I, I really want people to consider and, and guys and, and, and ladies to consider this, you know, I, I remember talking to a, a dear brother in Christ, a younger guy, and his goal was he wanted to be in a band. Mm -hmm. And that's great that you want to be in a band, but you also told me that you want to get married and you want to have kids. So how does that work in terms of you providing for your family? Right. And you 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 being able to be utilized in missions. And and even if let's say you do find a band where you can make money, are you going to be able to do that just in Kansas City? Probably not. That means you're on the road. How's that working for your marriage? Yeah. Right. And so this is where. And I know there are people who are going to disagree with me on this. Um, I'm going to amen. I already know where you're going. Um, the, so where the whole idea of loving what you do. Yeah. Um, like being passionate about your career choice. Being passionate about your career choice. And I just want to get, I just want to put this out there into the world that I think that that's a first world luxury. That's mm -hmm. a very privileged position because a lot of people in the world don't get the luxury um, to, to focus exclusively on doing what they love and they, they take the work that's giving to them because it enables them to provide for their family. Right. And, and so, you know, the work has a very, if I can say utilitarian function in that, mm -hmm. in that regard. And so I'm not saying that guys or that people can't pursue things that they love, but there's gotta be, we've gotta make good decisions about vocation in order or, or, or else we find ourselves hamstring for the ministry. Uh, I'll give you an example. And you can see this on YouTube, right? You know, Dave, Dave Ramsey, you watch some of those videos where these yeah. people call in and it's like, OK, I am one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in debt because I got my master's degree in social work from X prestigious university. 
And even though I got my master's degree in social work, um, starting salary is about 44,000 a year. Okay, why did you spend a hundred and like, yeah, right. you're, you're gonna be paying for that the rest. So we've got to make better decisions mm-hmm. about where we go to school, about the cost, of, because all of those things affect your flexibility and how God can use you in ministry. Yeah, you can you can tie yourself down real quick if you have if you have debt will do it. Owning owning property, housing, um, possessions. You know, you've got all these possessions that you've accrued over time. These are things that actually just can hold you back or keep you in bondage to the world system so that you can't be used by the Lord. Yeah. And we do it, we do it in the name of passion or, but I love this thing or, or, you know, I, you know, this is something I've dreamed about since I was a little kid or, or whatever it might be. We do it for all these good reasons, but they're not necessarily right. And we, we need to find, you know, inexpensive and reasonable ways to to pay for the education and the vocations that we want to do. We need to think about. So I, I encourage guys to, to really look at young people, ladies, again, guys and, and, and ladies to really look at, OK, what is the starting salary for this position? Truly, um, how available, how competitive is the position? And, you know, what does that look like in relationship to how you're paying for it? Mm-hmm. And are you able to do it in such a way that you you can stay out of debt? Being out of debt, it, I, I would say, you know, in terms of flexibility and usefulness in ministry is critical because it gives you so many options in terms of what you can do if you're not tied down to paying four hundred dollars right. a month in student right. loan payments. Right. right? Yeah. And 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 so the guy and the, the lady that's out of debt um, yeah, that family can 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 be sent somewhere. But if you've got all this debt, all this student loan debt that that, you know, how so people are giving to support you and then you're using some of that to pay for your student loans. Is right. that, is that yeah, how that works? Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. So we've got to make better decisions in terms of the vocations that we choose. Um, and it's not, again, to to only be consumed with money. But there's got to be this balance where we recognize it may not be exactly the thing that I would love to do if I could do anything in the world. Mm -hmm. But man, this is a good job that provides for my family and it enables me to be effective in the ministry. Right. And you've made yourself decisions like that. You went to school. Your formal training is in the arts. Fine art. Yeah. And how's that working out for you, Eric? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But at the same time, I mean, you were on scholarship and there was Mm -hmm. things that that worked out for you. You got your degree and it ended up benefiting you. But, but in terms of your formal training, um, they would have encouraged you to start a studio practice Mm -hmm. and, and to go down a, you know, direction that would have put you not in a great financial position necessarily. And, and not that there aren't people that can do that. No one's saying that that's an impossibility, but you chose a more practical path because you believe that it would benefit the ministry long-term. Absolutely. And the thing that's paid the bills is my my career in business, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and of course, you know, I've been working on my MBA forever, but um, I've, I'm paying for it cash, yeah. right? Like I am not going into debt to pay for this degree. Right. Um, and I can stop it if I need to stop it and I'll resume it when I need to re- resume it, but you gotta stay out of debt. So- we talked about this idea of making decisions that are best for ministry. Huge. I mean, it's a key that unlocks a lot of doors mm-hmm. thinking that way. Um, in terms of singleness, what are some of the, you know, as we kind of close and, and summarize the episode, there's so much to talk about. There's so much you're going to cover in this curriculum, the fully mm-hmm. equipped curriculum, of course. But what are some ways that we, other things that we should be thinking about, um, single people should be thinking in terms of their development, their growth, their purpose, 
et cetera, et cetera. I think people need to get as much of the word of God in them as possible. And I think just an insatiable hunger for the word of God. I'm so glad when I graduated from college, I uh, went right into shepherd school. Uh, and so, you a lot know, of people don't know what shepherd school is. Shepherd right? school is what, you know, it's the, the old school LFBI. It's precursor. <laughs> yeah, precursor. Yeah. Um, and so, but I mean, some of the professors that teach in LFBI taught in shepherd school. Yeah. Pastor Sam was one of my teachers. Greg, Greg Axe, Alan. Alan Shelby, you know, were, were teachers in shepherd school. And so I went through shepherd school and it was great to be able to just do the full curriculum. Um, and I think, so I think that there are things that when you think about taking on a family, getting married, having kids, it just slows down your ability to progress through yeah, those things. Yeah, you don't things. get more time. Yeah, no, no. And the thing that's we hear all the time from young men and women included is, well, I can only take one class this semester. Or, um, you know, I'm kind of busy. And the truth is they'll never be more flexible than they are in this moment right yeah. now. This is the thing, right? Yeah, yeah like the, the gift of singleness is the time that you have. Yeah. And so leverage that and and learn the word of God. I think that's the, the that's the one thing that I feel like is is critical. And just I don't buy to your point the excuses about I'm not studious and some of these same people that claim to not be studious. They know all the lines to these movies and right. all like it's like the stuff that you like you master mm -hmm. and you've got time for it. And so uh, getting the word of God in you that's that's an investment. That, that God will use mightily. Yeah. And so that would be my, I guess the, the, the primary recommendation would just be the, the time in the word is, is what God uses to transform us, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's what he uses to, to expose us to things that, that, that need to change. Um, it's gotta have it in you. And so get on fire for the word and that will be the change agent. So everything you've shared, Eric, has been so profitable. And I think the, any single um, young person listening to this or anybody that ministers to singles is gonna find value in the things that we've shared so far. There's so much to cover, obviously your book and the curriculum that you're gonna develop that will hopefully produce through Living Faith Books um, will be profitable um, and you'll cover more stuff. But as we close out this episode, uh, what what is the charge or what is the summarizing statement that you would wanna make to a single young person? Yeah, that, and it's kind of what we said earlier, that singleness is a gift, right? So if you are struggling with viewing singleness as a gift, then I can already tell you, you're missing something from the Lord. God wants to show you something. Mm -hmm. But in order for you to have eyes to see it, you've got to be looking at it from a different perspective. Yeah. Uh, so the singleness, it's not a curse, it's a gift. And when you when you have that insight and you get before the Lord and you say, okay, because this is a gift, it means this, right? This is the implication of this being a gift. That's really how you double down and maximize singleness for the Lord. Man. Eric, thank you. Thanks for your friendship. Thanks for your investment in all these young people. It's really a blessing. Hey, it's good to be here. Thank so, you. And we want to thank you as well for joining us for this episode of The Postscript. Maybe you are a uh, single person uh, at any age or stage of life, and you're realizing, you're right, I do need to double down. Um, I do need to get my focus right. Maybe that begins with discipleship in your local church. Maybe that means the next step. Maybe maybe it's D2, discipleship two, or, or what we refer to here at, at LFBI as foundations two and three. Um, and, and you need to take that next step. Or maybe it's just being a part of LFBI and, and, and choosing a ministry that you're going to devote your life to in your local church. It can mean a lot of different things. 
But the one thing we know it means is, is that you've got to grow in your knowledge and intimacy with Jesus Christ. And so how are you going to do that? You need to work through that between you and the Lord. And so hopefully this episode was an encouragement to do that. Uh, if you do have thoughts or questions or you're considering what it means to be a part of Living Faith Bible Institute, visit lfbi.org. If you've got single friends in your life, uh, whether they're young or old, and you find this episode to be helpful, we ask that you'd share it. You you send it to them and, and share it on your social media. But again, we're always so thankful that you join us for these episodes, and we really do desire that they'd be strengthening to you and your faith. We love you so much, and we hope to see you again next week for another episode of The Postscript. Goodbye.